Ladies and gentlemen, it is week 11 college football best bets here on the Field of 12 Media Network. We are presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. My name is Rob Doster, and I have with me today the man they call Mr. Retirement Parlay. And I got a feeling, I got a feeling, Gregory, that we're, we got a we got a winner this week. We're going to get into that a little bit. This is Greg Waddell. He's going to be our expert today. I'm going to be steering the uh, steering the traffic, driving the ship. We have a lot to talk about. TCU on the road at Texas is getting a touchdown. Alabama and Ole Miss. Arkansas is is only getting three points against LSU in the strangest line of the maybe the season. We're going to talk about that. A lot to get into there. But first and foremost, the uh, the college football playoff rankings came out, Greg, on Tuesday night. Um, I don't think anyone was necessarily all that surprised. I think you could have made an argument Tennessee over TCU, TCU over Tennessee, either way. Uh, but I do want to ask you this. Now that we see these rankings, now that we see who's in there, I said last week to Jimmy that I thought if you were going to bet Tennessee to win a national title, you had to do it last week because that was going to be the best number that you could get them at. It's still the best number you could have gotten them at. Uh, but now they are no longer in the top four. I don't necessarily see any value with title futures. Do you see anything there that you think we need to jump on right now? Oh, yes, Rob. I do. Oh. First Ooh. of all, I'm excited about this. I think I specifically asked that we could do this and Heisman because the conspiracy theorist in me is full go. I love to play the situation game at this point in the season, and we have situations to play. Tennessee <laughs> lost last week. That stinks, right? Obviously, everybody wanted that to be the game of the century. We wanted Tennessee to be Georgia. It was Tennessee's year, yada, yada, yada. Boom. Georgia reminds you that they're Georgia. They blow them out. And now they're the consensus favorite minus 125 to win the title at this point, which is insane. Here's the thing, though, Rob, what that loss did for Tennessee was essentially lock them into the college football playoff in a way that even had they won that game, it wasn't necessarily a given that they were going to make the playoff. Now, Alabama losing would have helped them. It would have locked it in. But the point is a one loss Tennessee team that doesn't have to risk anything in the SEC title game is going to the college football playoff. And they may be out of it right now. They may be in that five spot, but Ohio State and Michigan, one of them's got to lose. And no matter what TCU does, Tennessee's going to end the season with one loss. That team's in the playoff. Now they just got to win two games. Georgia, I mean, they should be in the playoff, right? But we've done the scenarios on After Dark this week. What happens if LSU runs the table and beats Georgia? That's not entirely out of the question. So I think for Tennessee to be sitting there, I mean, valued below Ohio State and Michigan, which we know only one of those is going to make the playoff. Tennessee's still a damn good football team. And I think they got spooked in the Georgia game. Clearly, Georgia's fantastic. We know that. But I think if those two teams play on a neutral field in the playoff again, I mean, I'd be surprised if it's not a one score game. Jumping on the balls at plus 1000 right now seems like a good move to me. Yeah, well, I'm still sitting on my uh, plus 1100 ticket from uh, from last week when I told everyone to bet on the balls and then they lost. So you've convinced me, man. I'm not. I don't. I can't rip it up yet. I got. I got to hold on to that thing just a little bit longer. All right. So uh, Heisman futures. I do want to talk to you about that too because it looks like now Hendon Hooker has has kind of dropped a little bit. He's now plus 250. C.J. Stroud, like Georgia, minus 125 favorite. I I I can't get behind the C.J. Stroud bandwagon, man. Like I, I I just. I don't know. There's something about running up the score and trying to get touchdowns in, in games and performances that don't really matter to me that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like Hendon Hooker had moments, right? He was horrible against Georgia. Spoiler alert. A lot of people, Greg, have been horrible against Georgia. It happens. They're good. This is true. So I'm with you on Stroud. 
Uh, I, I mean, look, I'm a Big Ten guy. I don't like Ohio State. I'm never going to come on here and root for a, an Ohio State Buckeye quarterback to run away with the biggest trophy in all of sports. The problem is you're right. Like it, it, his numbers are good. He passes the eye test. He's clearly flashy. But then, I mean, they were in a dogfight with Northwestern. And I know there were like hurricane level wins. But like, are you really telling me that's the best player in the country? And he's struggling to just hit a 10 yard out in Evanston last week. So I think I, like football people that actually are involved in the Heisman, I think, feel the same. They might not want to say it out loud. But I think they're sort of looking for an opportunity to not give C.J. Stroud this award. And just because of the results from everybody else this season, like you can't even consider Bryce Young for this award. And I think Bryce Young's played better this season than he did last year when he won this award. Hendon Hooker, same thing. He was going to run away with this award as long as Tennessee kept winning. At this point, it's really hard to see that happening unless, you know, they run the table from here and he just goes for five touchdowns every game, which is very possible. What this is shaping up to me, though, is the winner of Michigan, Ohio State could very well have the Heisman on their team. And that makes Blake Corum a little valuable to me. And that sounds weird to say out loud, but let's not forget Michigan beat Ohio state last year and Ohio state does not look the part of a team that's going to come in and be three touchdown favorites on Michigan. Like we've seen so many times in the last decade. I don't know that I trust Michigan when they have to go up against the, the beasts in the sec, but I think there's something to the fact that they're going to enter that game with a little more confidence than they have in the past. And, you know, three weeks from now, if Michigan does knock off Ohio State and they lock a spot up in the playoff, one of the only undefeated teams left in the country at that point, Blake Corum, six to one right now, might look a little tasty looking back on it. Yeah, I just don't think there's any value any, on that number anymore on a running back. Like, that's my only issue, right? If if we were talking about J.J. McCarthy and he was having the kind of season that puts you in that conversation, then maybe. I just I have a hard time seeing. Uh, investing any money at six to one odds on a running back winning. It just feels like the, it's a quarterback award, right? When was the last time a running back won it? It just. It yeah, but like isn't, doesn't it feel wrong with the quarterbacks this year though, too? Like hookers. The I mean, only it does. One. It does. Hooker's but those the only one. It does. But those are the guys that I just, if you would have told me this back when Blake was like 20 to one, you know, three weeks ago when he was kind of ripping off those five touchdown games, then yes, I could get behind it. I just think six to one is probably too short uh, for my liking. I do want to ask you, Stetson Bennett, 10 to one odds. Bo Nix, he's still in the mix. Max Duggan, plus 4,000, 40 to one odds. Look, if TCU can find a way to weasel their way into the playoff, right? And they can find a way to maybe even get to the national championship game. Max Duggan right now, 24 touchdowns, just two interceptions. He's doing a little damage on the ground. Like the, the, the kid is putting up some pretty big numbers for a team that is still undefeated, like 40 to one odds. I personally like Max Duggan as high as if you're going to make a, a futures bet on TCU, I think you bet Max Heisman, uh, Max Duggan for Heisman over TCU to win it. Cause I think that there's a chance that he could still get the award. If TCU doesn't win the national title where you can't, it's not going to work the other way around. So here's what I think that I'll do for you today, Rob, I'm going to go set up the field of 68 charitable fund. And instead of blowing that money on Max Duggan to win a Heisman that he will never win, you're going to put that money straight towards the field of 68 charitable fund. And we'll do some good for the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You just put me in my place. Nothing on Bo Nix or Stetson Bennett though. I don't think so. Look, I like I'm with you on let's try to find the long shots, but you and I both know we needed to do that four weeks ago at this point. There's five guys who could win this award and they're the five favorites at this point. Uh, Bo Nix, like a great story. He's played much better than people realize. And I actually think uh, like you want to talk about maybe futures odds. One we didn't mention is Oregon. I don't know what they are just to make the playoff at this point, but 
you know, if they can hold serve the rest of the season and their only loss is Georgia, I'd have a really hard time seeing them not get into the playoff. Uh, Stetson Bennett, like, God bless him. He's fantastic. I'm not sure other than Bryce Young, there's a quarterback in the country I'd rather have run my football team. But people would have problems if Stetson Bennett was given that award for a variety of reasons. And let, let me let me make a counter argument to that. Stetson Bennett, prior to the Tennessee game, his number got leaked on Tennessee message boards. After he runs the first touchdown and he looks straight into the student section, looks straight into the camera and does the call me sign. And to me, that's worth like at least 10 touchdowns on a season because there, there's so much more swag in that than anything we've seen Bryce Young or CJ Stroud do this season. And so that's a Heisman moment, right? We talk about moments. Come on. It doesn't get better than that, Greg. Right? Listen, I know, you're you, not, I know you love a little bit of shit talking, a little bit of trolling. Back oh, you're up. not you're not wrong. You're talking to the guy who called him Stet Holmgren week one this season. <laughs> I love Stetson Bennett. That name did not stick, so I'm still pushing. You know what, Nate? Hold on, hold on. So you called him Stet Holmgren, and then you also called him Stetson Bennett, B-E-E-N yeah. space I-T. So you yeah. love this guy. He's looked, Stetson's been it. We know this, okay? We've looked back at what he's done in his career. He's cold. He's awesome, but there, there's too much there, like, if Stetson was going to have a real shot at the Heisman, he would have been in contention all season long for that award. And I think Georgia kind of going through that, uh, the quiet period where they had three straight weeks where they were not covering, they were in dogfights against bad football teams, really, really damaged his stock. It, look, I really do think this is this is Stroud's award to lose at this point. And if Michigan beats him, Blake Corum might be the best value left. Yeah, to your point, though, about Tennessee, I think Hendon Hooker, uh, the numbers come down a little bit for him. Um, and if they can still find a way to make a run, like he's put up the, the biggest numbers and, and been one of the, the stars of the season. So I think there's a chance there. All right, let's talk about these game breakdowns. Uh, we're going to start with uh, number four TCU at number 18, Texas. The line right there is Texas minus seven. The team with three losses is uh, is laying seven points at home. The total there is 65. TCU is undefeated. Texas has won four of their last five. It doesn't really feel like it because they haven't been like blowouts and they had that one game against Oklahoma state where they melted a 14 point lead in the second half, but the Longhorns have been playing much better football over the course of the last month or so. So where do you stand on TCU at Texas? Yeah, I've been waiting for the right spot to fade TCU over the last month. And if you've watched any of the after dark shows that I've been on, I've pressed all of our talented people and football analysts here to considered the fact that TCU has essentially played five consecutive games against broken backup quarterbacks. And that's great. We talk about luck. We've got the Providence basketball lucky shirts out there right now. There's Field not six a dot shop jumping that merch store. There is not a there's not a luckier team in college sports anywhere than TCU this season. However, that doesn't mean they're not good. And I'm struggling with this one because we know Texas can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with very talented football teams. We saw them prove that early in the season against Alabama. But Texas also has left a lot out there offensively. They've got B. John Robinson, who's fantastic. But, I mean, there's been entire games they've gone away from the run game in favor of Quinn Ewers. And Quinn Ewers has missed open receivers a ton this year. And that was something our guys really pushed back on me on. It's like, well, okay, even if Quinn Ewers stays healthy for this game, Quinn Ewers isn't the guy who's going to throw for 300 yards on TCU. So I, I think this is too many points. I really do. TCU this season, obviously they're undefeated, but not only are they undefeated, they've won every single game on the schedule by a touchdown or more. 
I just can't see this being more than a one score game either way. Yeah, I'm with you. TCU to me feels like the team of destiny. It's one of they're one of those teams that's never they're not going to get blown out. They're not going to get run out of whatever stadium that they're in. So I'm I'm on TCU plus seven. And, you know, we got to talk about Moneyline uh, underdogs later in the show. Gregory, I'm going to save the rest of my my spiel for uh, for that section. They call it a tease in the industry. My sir, my 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 good sir. All right. uh, Let's head over to the SEC. Um, as George Whitfield likes to say at Jurassic Park, we have Alabama at Ole Miss. It doesn't get any easier for Alabama coming off of a loss at LSU. They now have to go on the road to Oxford to face Lane Kiffin. The uh, a little bit of bad blood there between those coaches. Um, the, the the Crimson Tide really haven't been super impressive this season, but like let's, let's kind of put this all in the contest, right? Right? They lost at Tennessee, who is a top five team by a field goal when a little bit of better clock management down the stretch means you actually get into overtime, right? Maybe run the ball instead of throwing every time when it's tied. Uh, they lose at LSU by one point on a two-point conversion in overtime at night under the lights in uh, in Baton Rouge, one of the toughest environments to play, right? So they're four points. They're basically two field goals away from being undefeated and being the number one or number two team in college football right now. Ole Miss, the only impressive thing they've done this season is beat a shorthanded Kentucky when Will Levis was banged up and other people were banged up and they beat him 22-19. So I, I don't think Ole Miss has done anything to impress me this season. Tell me why I shouldn't be all in on the Nick Saban bounce back spot right here. Well, here's why, Rob, because while Alabama is two field goals away from being undefeated, they are also two field goals away from being four and four right now or five. I don't know if they played eight or nine games. Four losses is the point. Texas A&M, I mean, goal line stand against uh, a Texas A&M offense that was just not good in that game. And yet it was still there for the taking Texas. Field goal, we we saw the phantom holding call that wasn't called. Bryce Young scrambles to the right, makes a huge play, and we can't take anything away from Bryce Young. He's the best player in college football. But this Alabama team, I would argue, is lucky to only have two losses this season. And we've talked long about how this is not the Alabama of old. And while any other year we would point and be like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a bounce-back spot, and they're going to blow them out by four touchdowns. I'm just not sure this Alabama team has the stuff to do that against any top 25 football team in college football and say what you want about Ole Miss, but they're one of the best 25 teams in college football. That's without doubt. Uh, Ole Miss undefeated at home this season. Their most impressive win is the Kentucky win. It was shorthanded in that game. Obviously not the most impressive thing ever, but it's 12 points. Can they keep it within 12? I think I'm leaning with the Rebels on this one. It doesn't feel great, but I weirdly think, uh, you know, with two losses now, that's important for Bama here because if they had just lost their first of the season, I think we're much more likely to get the Nick Saban rally the troops. We're still in this type thing. Alabama, for all intents and purposes, is eliminated at this point. And we haven't seen an Alabama football team in that setting really ever in the last 10 years, I'll be fascinated to watch because with the the lower level of talent I see in this Bama group, I think this could be a little bit of a, oh crap, are they quitting on this right now moment if Ole Miss can get up early in the game? So I was just looking up to see what exactly the money line was. And since uh, we started recording, since I wrote this rundown and we started recording, the line has moved at Bet Rivers from plus 12 to plus 11 and a half. So I don't think that you're the only one that's sitting here saying, I think we need to be uh on Ole Miss for those that are uh, looking for a potential upset pick plus 330 money line Lane Kiffin at home Ole Miss the Rebs uh, that's something to keep an eye on there all right LSU 
at Arkansas, LSU is only laying three points against a team that just lost to Liberty. Now, there's two ways that you can kind of look at this, right? This is the perfect bounce back spot for an Arkansas team playing at home. Big team coming in. They just got this massive win against Alabama. They're riding high. Everybody in Baton Rouge is kissing their asses, right? So they're going to go walk into Fayetteville, get run over by the Hogs, get run over by a whole bunch of people that are out there as crazy as uh, as Mama Hog, as, as, as Linda Sterner. Shout out to Linda Sterner. Shout out to Mama Hog. Shout out to Clint Sterner. All right. Um, I just – this feels like such a trap, right? Because I look at this and I'm like, this is – we're talking about LSU, right? One of the most improved teams. In college football, we're talking about LSU, who's what are they seventh in the uh, in the in the playoff rankings right now? We're talking about LSU, who just beat Alabama. Is this the same LSU, and they're only laying three at Arkansas? Greg, talk to me about this, man. Yeah, it's a baffling line for sure, and I I think the public's going to be all over LSU at this point. And sadly, I don't love siding with the public, but I'm going to do that here. I just think this Arkansas team has a lot of problems. They've lost their last two home games. They're coming off a two-point loss to Liberty. Uh, They got blown out by Alabama, and yes, I understand that that game was close for a small period of time. It ended up being a 23-point loss. Uh, And look, K.J. Jefferson... I love the idea of KJ Jefferson. I don't love the player KJ Jefferson. He's cost me a lot of money putting faith in him to just be solid. It hasn't happened this season. I I think LSU is good enough to at least get through this test. I don't know that they're good enough to actually make it a game in the SEC championship, but they've earned the right to be the torch holder right now. And I think that extends for at least one more week. Also Vegas in general, like sometimes a line is so trappy that it's a reverse trap. That's what this feels like to me. Like, it's so obvious that everyone's going to be on LSU that like, I think people are going to convince themselves they need to bet Arkansas and Vegas set the reverse trap. I know what you're doing, Vegas. I'm on LSU. Don't overthink it. The trap is the trap. Exactly. That's what it is, right? Yeah. There's levels to this shit, Greg. There's levels to it. Um, I'm, I'm with you too. Like I, I, this is one of those ones where you look at it and you say, they want me to be on LSU, so I'm going to take Arkansas. But, like, I just I can't pull the trigger on this one. I just cannot do it. Um, all right. Indiana at Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State uh, is coming off of a disappointing performance um, against Northwestern, playing in the wind, playing in a hurricane, whatever you want to say. C.J. Stroud didn't look great. Uh, the line right here is Ohio State minus 40, and the total is 58, which means that the implied score is 49. To nine Now, Greg, I will say this before you can tell me what you need to tell me about Ohio State. Uh, the last three times I've been on the show, when we've seen a line similar to this, all three involving Rutgers, I have said, just just take the Rutgers team total over, right? All they got to do is get a dumb touchdown and find a way to, to get a field goal out of something. Ten points. All you need is ten points in a, what could end up being a blowout, right? Can Rutgers march or can Indiana march down the field against Ohio State's third stringers against the walk-ons? I think they can. So uh, I like the Indiana team total over. That's what I'm, that's what I'm betting in this game. Listen, when you start talking team total overs to me, just beautiful music surrounds me in the room that I'm in. Like you are so dialed in on this. I'm never going to fade you in that spot. The thing with Ohio State this year has been, uh, I, I actually think a lot of their subpar performances versus their steamroll wins have been somewhat predictable. Like when Ohio state's at home with decent weather, they win games by 40. You can look up and down the schedule. They beat Iowa 54 to 10. They beat Rutgers 49 to 10. Uh, Both of those games, they covered just barely. So I like 
Indiana's dead. They've lost six in a row. They're one and five in the Big Ten. They're probably the worst team in the Big Ten at this point. Uh, Ohio State is in a spot where they've got a quarterback who somehow still is the Heisman favorite, who just essentially had a really bad day in the win last week. He's going to want to put up numbers. We already talked about Ryan Day running up the score. I, I don't know. I don't know how you bet Indiana and feel good about it in this spot, but I like your angle. I think you could take both Ohio State to cover and Indiana team total over, and at the very least, you're winning if you one. Do that, if you do that, just take the over, right? Just take the, the, the game total over. Uh, look, we know that Ohio State's going to try to run up the score. Like, I don't think Ryan Day has really been quiet about the fact that he's trying to get C.J. Stroud the Heisman. And coming off of a game where C.J. was as disappointing as he was against Northwestern, you can probably safely assume that they're going to try to find a way to run up that score once again. So, uh, look, I, I like the Indiana team total over. I like C.J. Stroud trying to score a lot of points, which means we – probably should be on just the over for this game. And I think that's a little bit safer than, than laying the 40 points, just because like, you never know what's going to happen at the end of one of these games. Right. So that, that's kind of where I stand on that. Um, all right. Last one uh, that we're going to take a deep dive into Washington at Oregon. We talked about Bo Nix a little bit earlier. The dude has been on fire since that drubbing against Georgia in the first game of the season. Um, Oregon's laying 13 and a half total. There 72 and a half. It's pretty high. Um, it's kind of a look ahead spot for Oregon though, right? They got uh, Utah coming up next week, which has a little bit like both of these games have influence on who's going to win the Pac-12, but you could say that they're looking forward a little bit to that Utah game just because that was like the preseason favorites right there or whatever. Um, so what do you like here? Do you like Bo Nix or do you have big Phoenix energy? I do not have big Phoenix energy right now. I'm going with Bo Nix. Uh, I, I like this Oregon team a lot, and I think the entire country sort of gave up on them after the week one blowout loss. And if you've watched them at all, uh, and I tune in specifically just to see if Yogi Roth is calling the game, and if he is, then it's a must-watch, must-listen event for me every single Saturday. Oregon's great. Like This team, to me, is a top-five football team in the country. I have no idea what that's going to result in for them. They need to win out clearly just to have a shot to make the playoff. But I, I feel like this team will be robbed if they don't, if they do get through the rest of the season unscathed. They're very, very good. Uh, no team with one loss is going to have a better resume than your only loss being Georgia at the end of the season. And Washington, look, they were very good early in the season, but I think some of that was overstated because they had a statement win against Michigan State, my Michigan State. How much of a statement win is that really? If you've seen what they've done lately, I mean, Phoenix can play. He can put up big numbers, but they're going to give up as much as they're going to get themselves. Uh, 13 and a half feels high to me. If anything, I feel like this is more of a trappy line than anything. I think Vegas wants people to jump on Washington and feel like that's a lot of points, but I can sort of put my my time machine goggles on here and see Oregon up 14 nothing at the end of the first, and you're going to feel real dumb if you're on the Washington side. Yeah, I, I like Oregon. Oregon has to – they need the style points, right? Like, they have ground to make up, and they need to find a way – they need to blow the doors off people. They need to win games 70 to 10 so people can be like, hey, look, the Ducks, they figured it out. They have enough brand equity, I think you can say, that people won't be upset if they get in with one loss because of the blowout win to Georgia if they do enough over the course of the next month or so to, to remind people, hey, you know what? We're big, bad Oregon again, and we're back. Um, so – I, I let's let's get into some of these other games real quick. Um, a couple of uh, quick hitters here. I got seven more games that I want to go through. 
uh, that we can kind of discuss. I don't want to spend too much time on these. We can get through them 30, 45 seconds, but I do think there's things that we need to discuss. Uh, we have Louisville at Clemson. Clemson is laying seven points. The total there is 52. What's what's happening at Clemson? Do we trust them? Like, do we do we know who's going to be playing quarterback? Do we do we want either of those guys in playing quarterback? Like, what's what's going on with this team? No, and I get that it's a bounce back spot, but the answer is no. I don't trust either quarterback at this point. I certainly don't trust DJ and Louisville. I mean, look, say what you want about the Louisville football program in general. They've quietly, very quietly won four straight games, including a blowout win against Wake Forest. They just beat James Madison, who's actually a pretty good football team this year, by 24 points. Uh, I, I think seven is a lot here. I can't see Clemson winning by more than that, so I'll take the cards. Uh, yeah, I agree. I just, there's no way I'm going to wager any of my hard earned dollars on this, uh, Clemson football team right now, Maryland at Penn state, Penn state lane 10, the total there is 59. I just, I feel for the audience at this point, man. Like when you are in the same division as Ohio state and Michigan, you just don't have a chance. They need to, you know what they need to do. They need to find a way to petition to get out of the uh, the Big Ten East and head over to the Big Ten West. Uh, imagine if instead of having to go up against Ohio State and Michigan to get a chance to play in the Big Ten title game every year, you had to deal with Illinois. Sorry, Trevor, Wisconsin, Iowa. I mean, come on, man. We gotta we gotta we gotta do the do the fighting Hackenbergs a favor. Yeah, you're speaking music to my ears, Rob. Uh, it's the the most broken divisional system in all of college sports, and it's a travesty, honestly, because you end up getting Ohio State every single year and you get nothing else from this conference. Uh, look, Maryland was a very good football team early in the season with Tua's brother, Tagovailoa, and he got hurt, and they were horrible for three good weeks. Pronunciation right there. Shout out Thank to you. you. Thank you so much. He returned last week in a monsoon against Wisconsin. That didn't bode well for him to actually be able to use his arm at all. So I actually like Maryland plus 10 against a Penn State team that's been up and down here. I'll take the points. Purdue at Illinois. Illinois ruined everything last week. They now have losses to Michigan State and Indiana, which is about the most embarrassing thing that you can do uh, on a football field is to lose to those two teams. Illinois lane six and a half total there 45 and a half Purdue we want it as much as we want to be on AOC I don't think that we can be on AOC ever again. yeah ever since Christian Hackenberg looked me dead in the eyes and said that Aiden O'Connell is the one quarterback in the country he would want the ball in his hands of if he was an <laughs> NFL GM at like tomorrow I've bet Purdue every single week and I've lost so much money on this strategy and I've watched these games too. I've watched more Purdue football than any human ever should. Uh, they lose games in the trenches. Illinois can run the football. Brown is fantastic. I think he's going to run all over a minus six and a half for a pissed off Illinois team. I love that play. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. This is the bounce back spot that we're looking for every week, right? You got to be on the Illini in this spot. Uh, Nebraska at Michigan, another amazing line. Michigan is laying 31 points. The total there is 48 and a half, which means by my uh, my admittedly subpar mathematic uh, ability, the implied score is 39.75 to 8.75. So again, is this a spot where you just say, fuck it, Nebraska team total over? <laughs> I don't hate it. I mean, if, again, you say those words and my eyes light up, Rob. I Look, I, this is uh, how unprepared I was for this quick hitter section. I'm not going to lie to you, Rob. I don't know what the line is on this, but give me Nebraska first half. We just saw Rutgers uh, essentially you know, beat Michigan in the first half of the game last week, and then Michigan came out and stomped them by 40. 
I don't fully trust this Michigan team yet. I think there's always one half that they get outplayed even by bad teams right now. I'm just going to bet on that being the first half. Give me the Huskers first half. I, I love that you're just like, yeah, I don't care what the fucking line is. Give me it. First half. I want it. Oh. I, I'm sure the money line's got to be plus 600 or something. Give me that. I have uh, the first half money line for Nebraska is plus 1300. Oh, we love that. We're all over that. Yeah, you got to be in on that one. Um, All right. UCF at Tulane. Tulane is laying a point and a half. Uh, total there is 54 and a half. This is a ranked matchup from the American. Michael Pratt, dude's a baller. How do you not? How are you not on Tulane? All they got to do is one by two. How are you not on Tulane in this spot? Yeah, I, I mean, you're right, right? The the line is very inviting to jump on Tulane, who has the best uniforms in college football. Uh, I, you know, my heart is pushing me to Tulane minus one and a half. My mind is pushing me to the over here. I think both of these teams have capable offenses. And I think in a, a bright light spot, we could see the best of both. I think this is a game that gets into the 30s on both sides. Lines 54 and a half. I'll take the over. Yeah, I like it too. It's going to be a fun game. Those are yeah. two fun teams. Uh, all right, we have Wisconsin at Iowa. Iowa is getting a point and a half. The total there is 35. Greg, here are my notes for this game. Gross. That's literally all I wrote in the rundown. It's just gross. These are all the notes that I have. The total is 35. 35. Like, you don't even see 35 totals in NFL games. 35 in a college football game. I think, yeah. and I think you got to be on the under. Like, is oh, that, I'm, I'm is all that over the under. This, this line could be 30, and I would take the under. Uh, this is. Two horrible, horrible, horrible football teams. No offense, but also offense taken, like given. Yes, this is just bad. It's bad football from both of these programs. You want to talk about why that division is down? Look no further than Wisconsin and Iowa. They're both bad. The division's bad. Uh, I it, Look, the only thing that scares me here is Iowa could throw like three pick sixes in the first half, and all of a sudden the over looks great. But I'm going to trust my, yeah, my here's, instincts here's the other here. Problem. Here's the other problem with that. Like Iowa could also get two pick sixes in a scoop and score in the first half. Like that's that, that is why I'm sitting here like, Hey, you know, the, under, the most uncomfortable thing about this under is the defensive points. Rob, did we that's just talk ourselves into the over? I think we just yeah, talked ourselves we into the, only the over, over, man. <laughs> yeah, also, let's go over. Yeah. We're, we're going to take the over. All right. We're in, we're in. Um, I, I will say this. I do like Iowa money line here. Oh, I do like the Iowa money line just because I, I, I trust out of any unit on the field. I trust that, that one, Iowa defense into the Iowa special teams. Unit. So I think that they find a way to be able, in a, in a game that is probably going to end up being low scoring and is going to rely on a lot of plays that aren't uh, involving quarterbacks or running backs or, or anything else. Um, I, I think that Iowa is better in that spot. All right. Last one I have listed here. Liberty fresh off of a win at Arkansas is going on the road to East Hartford. And I don't even know what the new stadium is called. It used to be Rensselaer field uh, UConn who was five and five, who was playing to get into a bowl game, who has won four of their last five games, Greg. They are a powerhouse. They are a football school. Plus 14 and a half. What do you like there? Come on. Who is UConn's final game of the season, Rob? Do you know this? Yes, it matters. Oh, it matters critically to my betting strategy for this game. Who is it? I I don't know. I'm asking you. (laughs) I want to know. Let me bring it up. I don't have it in front of me. Just go ahead and make your point. If they play a bad football team in the final week of the season. They're not winning this game. Give me Liberty. I'm all over it. If this is like a must win game for UConn because they're afraid of who they play the final week, then play army. Oh oh no, that's a terrifying proposition for UConn fans. Okay. I I think 
I mean, they got to try and win this game, right? Clearly, like Army's a, a, a scary game the final week of the season. I'll take the points. 14 and a half, that's a lot of points. They're not a good football team, though, Rob. Come on. You know, like, what, you know what to do. You know what to do. They have more wins than uh, Travis Knight's Texas A&M Aggies. I'm just going to keep throwing that out there. Right? One more win. Trevor Knight, Travis Knight. Travis Knight, former UConn uh, basketball player. Travis Knight basketball camp. There you go. All right. I'm sorry for getting things confused, Dagan. Um, all right, let's get into the retirement parlay, Greg. Uh, this one you are guaranteeing will be a winner or Dagan's going to refund everybody's money, right? Exactly correct. Uh, look, uh, did I expect to get into week 11 of this without hitting a retirement parlay yet? No, but you know I'm going to hold myself to the standards of greatness here, and we will hit one before the end of the season. I am tweaking the strategy instead of like 15 legs, as we've done multiple times this year. We're going five legs, five underdogs that I actually really like this week. The first one. Brain pick, not a heart pick. Rutgers money line at Michigan State. This Michigan State team is still a really horrible football team. I'm dialed in on them right now. I called them beating Illinois last week. Everybody told me I was crazy. I mean, that was their Super Bowl. That was everything for them. Rutgers can be feisty. Give me the Scarlet Knights money line. Number two, Ole Miss money line at home against Bama. Yes, you heard me. I don't buy this Bama team. This is an unprecedented situation where their season is essentially over. And for a team that's so undisciplined, I'm not sure they're going to listen to anything Nick Saban has to say to rile them up. Give me Ole Miss, who's undefeated at home. Game number three, Kansas money line at Texas Tech. Texas Tech has some quarterback injuries going on. Kansas is back getting healthy. I loved what I saw from the Jayhawks last week. Uh, I think they roll. Number four, North Carolina money line at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is dead. Sam Hartman, I believe, has 11 turnovers in the last two weeks. I know because I've been betting Wake Forest the last two weeks. Carolina's really good. Nobody's talking about Drake May. Why aren't we talking about Drake May? Uh, give me the Tar Heels. And the final game, TCU money line at Texas. We talked about it earlier. TCU team of destiny right now. Five legs, $100, $33,487.27. Never forget the sense. Uh, last night, Kevin Sumlin said Drake May was playing better than C.J. Stroud. So I'm just going to throw that out there. We are talking about him on the field of 12 uh, after dark. All right, give me your money line underdog. Who, who, who are you riding? Is it TCU? It's one of the five I just said. It's not TCU. I love North Carolina, though. I really do. I think this is my favorite play of the week. Uh, Wake Forest is still getting the love for being the team that had the results they had last season. But even if you look at their schedule from last season, if you watch those games, they could have easily been a four or five loss football team. I think that's really who they are at their heart this year. Uh, no pun intended with Hartman, who's been horrible. He's literally just giving the ball away on possessions in the second half of games right now. Uh, North Carolina is really, really good. I urge you to watch Drake May if you haven't seen it. Yes, that defense has issues, but I mean, opposing offenses cannot make one mistake because Drake May is going to march down the field and score nearly every single possession. I think the Tar Heels are legit. And I think they only lose one game this season. Yeah, I like the money line underdog TCU. I just they are the team of destiny. They are trying to play uh, for a chance to get into the playoff. They have no shot of getting into the playoff if they don't go undefeated. So any loss is going to be the the end. Of the, they're basically in the playoffs right now, more or less. This is basically the start of the NCAA tournament for them. They have to win six straight games to win a national title, more or less. So can we um, say this too? I doubt there has ever ever been a team in the top five or uh, they're four right in the college football playoff rankings right now i bet there has never been a team this late in the season that has been plus 220 underdogs just to win a football game mm -hmm. that's, that's gonna say something plus 220 they're the team of destiny so i like them there uh, i think my favorite play of the week though greg is the over 
in, in Indiana, Ohio. So whatever over you want, whether it's the, the game total over 58, whether it's Ohio State's team total over because you think they're going to run up the score, whether it's Indiana's team total over because Ohio State's defense might not be that great. And they all they got to do is get one touchdown and one field goal. So anything over in the Indiana, Ohio State game to me just kind of is something that you got to play, whatever, whichever tickles your fancy the most. I love that. I think I'm with you. In fact, I'll jump on and say it's the team total. That's my favorite play of the week. There you go. All right. So uh, this has been the Field of 12 Best Bet Show, Week 11 College Football. It's here. We don't have as many kind of big brand firepower games, but there's a lot of really interesting storylines and interesting stuff happening in college football this week, not the least of which is TCU putting it all on the line at Texas and Quinn Ewers. So uh, I guess until uh, until we got after dark tonight at, at eight o'clock, so maybe, or at 10 o'clock Eastern time. So guys, make sure you turn into the turn into that. So for Greg Waddell, for Dayton Hughes, my name is Rob Dawson. We'll see you guys.